foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. No puns today at all, you hear me? <laughs> I hear you. Whether or not I listen to you. Oh, yeah, well, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast. Where Danny Hemet and Katie Bowman talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie B, Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of I always say Katie B. <laughs> Katie B was I've what they called me. Say in, that. Yeah, well, that was what everyone called me in like junior high and high school. It's Katie B. Katie B. Uh, that and Cabo. Cabo was my uh, Cabo's, yeah. Cabo. That's your rap name. Cabo is my it is my cheerleader handle. Mm biomechanist, cheerleader, cheerleader of life, <laughs> and uh, author of Move Your DNA. And who are you? And I I am just Danny Hemmett. Hardly. No snappy nicknames for me. I am a chronically curious movement oh, teacher. come on. You're never just anything. You are everything. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get a grip today, especially you. Excellent. I need to get a grip? You, you got a problem? You, you, you problem? need to get a grip. So we did arm swing. Last episode. Mm-hmm. Which was fun. It was fun. You didn't feel like you, you felt going you're going into it a little unsure of where we're gonna head up and it was it was great. And we're gonna do the same thing kind of for grip strength today. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. I'm just gonna jump right into it if you don't mind. Yeah. Keep this one a short one because I'm I'm under a book deadline, a, a final thing. So we're like chop chop. Let's stick to it. No puns today at all, you hear me? <laughs> I hear you. Whether or not I listen to you. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. Aww. Exactly. Everyone's like, I bought the book. Did you read it? I bought it. It's on my shelf. I'm hoping someday that the it just comes I'm into s- my head. sleeping with it under my pillow. So grip strength. I posted this on our social media channels because I felt it was particularly 
interesting. So a quick history of grip strength. Last year, which was which would be 2015, there was kind of a, a flurry of headlines around a couple of studies around the measure of grip strength as a predictor for different diseases, kind of like in the same way that sitting time became a predictor of all mortality types, grip strength too, it seems, has this correlation to different issues. And so I heard about it, right? Because everyone, of course, sends this to me because I do a lot with grip strength hanging. That's in Move Your DNA. That's in a lot of stuff that I write about. But the fact that it could be relating to all of these other issues, including cancers in, in some demographics, really kind of like richer demographics, people were like, why? And then, of course, all the health magazines are like, what's going on? You know, so should we be strengthening our grip? You know, was a lot of I think we might have even talked about this at some point. I feel like we might have. Well, I mean, yeah, we've talked about hand function and, and well, I mean, different ways to hold stuff, but. Even this, even this, I feel like we might have even touched on this just a little bit with different headlines because it was like the magazine's way of framing it was since grip strength is correlated to these diseases, go get some of those grip yes, strength that's, balls. That's and what remember? it was. We did. We remember? did. Thanks. Yeah. Strengthen your hands. Get the, you know, start training your hands. And it was like, well, that's what the study was showing is more a correlation mm-hmm. and the. The idea being that people with better grip strength are probably people who just use their bodies overall more, right? So they're moving more in general. It's just a cheap predictor. So I'm sorry, before that article last year, because I remember when when you posted that, has it always been, has they always used grip strength in that way? Or was that just kind of like they finally made that correlation last year of these different ailments and mortality I had never seen it as a test. I mean, I cer- okay. I certainly learned grip strength was, you know, a unit in my training. And we have hand dynamometers, which are these kind of things where you just grab and you squeeze really hard and it's measuring your force production in pounds. It how how strong is your grip? How many how many pounds can you compress really with your grip is what it's measuring. And it was just it's considered just, you know, there's there's general norms through mostly through therapy. So physical therapy, and probably more especially occupational therapy, OT, they're going to be looking at how well can you use your hands. So, you know, if if kids maybe have lower tone or strength in their hands or they're having a problem gripping pencils, you know, like it's definitely been a measure in overall health. Older people, the, the loss of the strength to open jars, you know, that's a functional skill. So it's definitely been a health measure, but I'm not sure why someone thought to correlate it to everything else. It probably what I what I would speculate happened is there's all sorts of strength measures always being taken from large population studies and that someone in running numbers just happened to see that one of the strength measures low strength coming up over and over again that was also coming up with the diseases happened to be grip strength and then they just were able to publish a paper about it as opposed to going Okay. To specifically, that's what a lot of data just comes from these massive, tons of people just putting them through strength tests. And it just sits there as data to be processed by someone at some point. So I, I speculate that that might have been what had happened. But Okay. Sorry to throw you off. Yeah, just, it wasn't like, you know, so, it wasn't like, no, it wasn't like someone was like, 
hey, you know what? I bet you that people <laughs> with cardiovascular disease would also have low grip strength. I doubt it was like that. It was probably an observation of a massive amount of data. Okay. Which is fine. Like, that's how it happens. So 2016, we're at the end of it right now. And earlier this summer in June, another study came out not related to health per se, health outcomes. It was related to millennials, which is this term for like, what does a millennial mean specifically? A person coming of yeah, adult age who, in 2000, in the 2000s, or no, born in the 2000s? Or yeah, they were, they were born in the 2000s. So it's like, it's like 20 or I guess it'd be 16. To, I, it can't be no, that. Wait, no, no, wait. No, it can't no, no, be no, that. It's 90s, weren't they? I don't know. I, I think it? it means that they basically became. I'm like, Gen X, so I don't care about anything else <laughs> after that. But I think is that what isn't isn't like I think we're we're Gen X, right? And what does that mean? Just like hyper focused on ourselves, like we're just like the, <laughs> the we're like self absorbed. <laughs> oh yeah, because the millennials oh. aren't. No, no, I don't know. I think the study was from ages 20 to 34, but I think millennials yeah. is you're born in the early 90s or whatever. Yeah. I know that people who are in their early 20s right now are considered millennials. So it can't be born in the 2000s. But I think it's like that you were like that your whole kind of like in the same way our experience, even though we were born in the 70s, was kind of like the 80s and the 90s. That theirs is really the bulk of the of the 2000s so far. These last 16 years has been, you know, their kind of teenage and formulative years. Anyway, doesn't matter. It means that people like around the ages of 20 to 24, that their grip strength as a as an age group is less than what the grip strength of that age group was in the 80s. That when they gave a group of millennials this hand dynamometer test, that their average strengths was significantly lower than that same group of people in 1985. I'm sorry, that same age range, not the same exact people. They would have been like two years old. And that would have been weird if they were stronger (laughs) at two than when they were at 24. That baby can't hold that dynamometer right. That's a bad baby. Okay. Babies are same age group. For that same age group. Yeah. So people like 20 to 24 or whatever the study was, they they had stronger hands than the 20 to 24-year-olds now do. Which as the researchers are putting in this paper, kind of makes sense because they type more, they grip less. I mean, we've removed, they don't really have hanging play. And it was interesting because the, the, the explanation was kind of like, well, they're doing less, you know, manual labor than they were doing in 85. And I was like, I don't think there was a whole lot of manual labor going on in 1985. I mean, I get that there's been a general decline in strength from industrial and then, you know, pre-industrial and farming. And you keep going back. And, of course, we're clearly getting weaker and weaker. But I don't think between 1985, like, I, I would imagine that there's probably less millennials doing mm. manual labor. And I mean, like, farming, at least, has come into fashion and gardening. So I think there's probably more, at least, urban millennials digging into that. But there's oh, more. Oh. There's definitely more computer work now and swiping. I imagine they're whatever that thumb swiping motion, they would kill it on whatever the strength measure is. They could like knock, they could knock a brick down with their swiping. But this. Well, and I I think like you said that when we grew up, the playgrounds, there was so much stuff and that's just, that's gone now. They they don't have a chance with that. No, I mean, it's just, it's a completely different social climate right now. 
and strength is a big physical movement is really gone out of it. So anyway, there was all kinds of articles, you know, ha ha millennials, you know, like weak grip strength, like just kind of mocking the millennials. I was like, awesome. This is, this is helpful. But (laughs) what I was most fascinated about was NPR. I love NPR. I would like I, I I enjoy NPRs at a kind of presentation. I assumed always like I, I just kind of always perhaps unjustly give it like if NPR thinks it, then I probably think it, too, is kind of like my overall default. But it's come up more than a few times in the last few years. I'm like, I don't think that's the case really yeah. anymore. <laughs> There's definitely a transition. But we, we were in the same boat. And now we, we talk about that was an eye roller now when we listen to a story because yeah. it's not always you have to think of it more critically. Uh, yeah, but, you, you yeah. do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, I'm just, with you. There's just a lot of you know, I think there's just a lot of staff writers, you know, it's not it's, mm-hmm. it's just there's so much online media and the content's coming out so quickly. But anyway, that all of that aside, what blew me away as I was reading NPR's take on it, so you guys can find this article, we can look in the show notes, it's Millennials Maybe Losing Their Grip. And you will also find in that NPR access to the original study that was in the Journal mm-hmm. of Hand Therapy. Yeah, so like- if you want to get the data, I think, so you can have specifics and numbers. I think that men in their 20s experienced like a 10% decrease in strength and women, it was about a 15%, just so you can have a sense of what, what I mean by significant. It was statistically significant that there was a loss. And I would also say that a 10% to a 15% loss in hand function is also a significant thing to pay attention yeah. to. So I read NPR's take on it before I actually read the body of the study. And so at first I was like, NPR, this is a crazy way to go with your takeaway from the study, which was we need to adjust the norms of strength for therapy purposes because clearly it's ridiculous to be using... 195 standard. Yes. That, I know. I, I was <laughs> I like, am so glad that's what you took away from it because I have the same question marks and exclamation points all over that I know. section. I like, know. What? That that was the takeaway that clearly we are using the wrong numbers to assess <sighs> humans in the 2000s because because why would we want them to have this higher level of strength when that's not what their peer group has. So Let me just stop right here and say that this thing that we are talking about right now is an aspect of a sedentary culture and a culture that uses data to that interprets scientific data to normalize the current existing group. And instead of keeping track of data, you know, to really have a clear like, wow, we are becoming weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. We keep adjusting the norms so that we are normal and normal and normal and normal. And bonus, we all just got stronger with adjusting norms. Like we all just, for those who had a really strong grip strength, you just became on paper relatively stronger if you only looked at percentages and didn't compare it to other groups. So... Can I read that that sentence from the yeah. interpretive article? Sure, because sure. I really got a kick out of this one. Sure. The findings suggest that it's time to update what constitutes normal hand strength. The norms are used to assess the severity of injuries and how well people are recovering. That's what the findings suggest. Right. In, so, in that interpretation. Well, and that I, I thought it was NPR's suggest like that I thought that NPR 
have maybe an influence in the story and somehow, which, you know, they really shouldn't that much, but I know the media does, or they picked out a key piece, but then I read the article and that was the purpose of the researchers. Like that, like that, that was their, like, this is the clear, now, now we have an understanding that our expectations of strength, you know, might be way too high, you know, so they're not having a human norm or even a U.S. norm. And so like my my comment was like, wow, this is this is lowering the bar of human performance. Like this is how it keeps slipping by mm-hmm. the deterioration of really the inadequacy of our habitat and our lifestyle and our behavior for supporting things like strength. So anyway, I just thought. I thought it was interesting. And I cover this entire phenomenon in Movement Matters. So Movement Matters, oh, good, good. Movement Matters is coming up. And, and this I use this example as well as a bunch of other examples to kind of show this is how it happens. You are seeing, you're seeing a research paper, a peer-reviewed research paper, come to the, the conclusion that this is the best social application of this data you're seeing medicine and therapy adjust its numbers based on what the science reveals, which is really just, again, the science revealed the loss in strength. It was the the researcher's interpretation right. of that data of how it should be applied. And then medicine is going to use that scientific data to then build its therapies, right, that will mm-hmm. set the top of, you know, the tops and bottoms of what's acceptable. And then you have NPR shaping public awareness of, of going, yeah, like clearly, I mean, it was, did you, what did you, the quote that you just read, was it the norms, the fashion? Here it goes. No, that's the, can that's I read the it? Let me read I was it. saving that, but you go ahead can I, because can that's I? my absolute, I've highlighted that in pink with stars <laughs> and flowers because I loved it so much. Go. Like fashion trends. Co-author Fain, which is the author of the research, says healthcare norms should be updated roughly every 10 years. That we should be updating our healthcare norms <laughs> like fashion trends. Like fashion. This makes hand grip measurement well overdue for reassessment. So anyway, in other words, the 1985 norms may be long in a drawer with your leg warmers and your scrunchies, Cabo. That's where all that strength belongs. Strength is out of fashion, people. Strength is out of fashion. If this were a video podcast, they would see me shaking my head, lowering my eyes. Nope. Mm -mm -mm. Sedentary culture, people, in the making. You are a lump of clay. This was a big push that just shoved you down into the couch a little bit deeper. Well, and that's just such a, a scary, dangerous thing to start changing norms like that of what's, you know, of not looking at what does it mean, but just saying, well, we want to, nor- we want to be normal. We don't want to say we've lost 10%. So let's figure out what we're doing that could make that not seem so drastic. Well, you know, if it was that conscious, I think that would be better. I think that if we were, I don't if, think it is. I don't think it is. Absolutely not. I don't think that I shouldn't say absolutely not. I, I feel real strongly that it is not People going, hey, 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 you know, in a corner, rubbing their hands together and going, you know, what would be great is just to slowly no, I change. I don't think that. I, I don't even look at that. I and, don't think it's not... conscious. No, I don't think it's conscious. I think that it makes I think that the arguments are therapy centric, which is that mm. I, I really think that everyone 
just really sees lifestyle, like sedentary is just your ability to change or shift your situation. And so it's a, it's a way, it's a, it's a subconscious way of, of making your whole body expend less energy. So again, you're, you, you can see wow. more of that point of view, explain more. I don't think it's conscious. I think it's subconscious. And I think it is a reliance on things like NPR and, and other people interpreting the data or reading the data and medical norms. I think it's just, I think it's human nature probably more than anything else. And what I found most interesting was in, re, you know, the manuscript, my manuscript went out to experts, many experts in different fields who are reviewing, you know, I'm, I know biomechanics and it's my field, but there's other people in different fields of evolutionary biology and mathematics and wild food and and, evol- and and plant biology and ecology who who could read it and comment it and give me perspective of going, oh, we would phrase it this way, you know, so I really considered a lot of that data. Cool. And one of the interesting comments on this paper came from an evolutionary biologist that I was lucky enough to get to engage with regularly on the book and was grateful to do so. But she said, you know, this phenomenon of mag, this has happened, this happens all of the time, you know, essentially, but she had some data on magnesium that our magnesium levels used to be super high, but we keep adjusting all chemical toxics, exposures, tolerance. We just keep adjusting it. We just, the bar just goes down and down and down because the outcome really becomes, well, you're not dead. You know, like it really becomes, you know, it becomes a smaller and smaller tolerance for what it means to be healthy or a more narrow description at at this point it's getting closer and closer to alive you know despite Mm -hmm. the technologies or the inputs necessary so you know is grip strength necessary for keeping you alive you could say no but then this other what i found really interesting was that no journalist called back up the stuff from 2015 going wait a minute should we not be concerned with this other thing that in fact maybe there is something related to grip strength that keeps us alive or disease free because we have these other papers that suggest that grip strength or is or this the use of the body including the grip is part of a bigger thing but that was not brought up where in science you would really be pulling everything to do with grip strength to integrate it into a paper and to a thesis or a, a larger perspective so wow anyway that's all I have to say about group strength. I just thought it'd be fun to point it out and then just really encourage people again to get out there and start thinking about whole body grip strength. You don't need to grab and grip grip, you know, a ball at your desk as much as start moving your whole body, including your weight passing through your hands. To well, can I, can I just point out after I read this article, I'm like, I wonder what's going on out there. <laughs> I get, I get stuck in my closet sometimes and, started looking up, you know, responses to this and ways, because ever since last summer, there have been lots of little, you know, health articles about how to improve your grip strength sure. and everything. Every single one probably read. Not every single one, because I know every, that I okay. commented on one to say, do not right. go out and buy a grip strength machine. No, <laughs> but, but every, every article that I came across about how to improve it was gym related. They were all exercises to improve your grip strength. In your, in your gym, you know, passing around barbells or whatever, but every single one, it wasn't, there wasn't anything outside of that realm. And I thought that was really interesting. There's no, there's nothing about movement outside of the exercise realm as a whole entire cultural perspective. That's, 
Why well, maybe we should adjust the maybe we should adjust the norms, Katie. You know what we should do is we need to like the norms. that's well <laughs> essentially that's what I'm doing, right? Like I, I I too am adjusting the norms. It's just I want to adjust them up, not down. Right. Right. So we're all maybe doing the same thing. It's just my way of adjusting. It seems to lend it to more work, right? Like I'm adjusting and going, nope, nope, the work's essential. Go up where maybe the the collective culture as a whole, not every single person in it and probably not people listening to this, but the the momentum of the of the sedentary culture is to continue to perpetuate its sedentary state. So anyway, Movement Matters, yeah. the book, Go read the article in Grip Strength if you want to watch a sedentary culture in the making. And certainly go out and start using your hands more, huh? And your whole body. That's right. Put your leg warmers back on and start using your hands a lot more. That's my vote. Yeah, arms, shoulders. And and definitely, you know what? You could use your hands to put your scrunchie in. (gasps) You you, could. If you had a scrunchie back there, that thing was no joke. No. I had to use all sorts of grip strength, right? (laughs) Tons of grip strength. Yeah, different pinching, pulling, Mm -hmm. the whole shebang. Well, it's a good thing we talked about this. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for entertaining you. It was very good. I always like these. I'm all handy now. I'm all just like when I be I said no puns. I said no puns. All right. Can't even help yourself. We are done. You have books to I got to go finish this. Do. All right. Well, thanks for listening. For more information, books, and online exercise classes, you can find Cabo or KDB <laughs> at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can find more from me, Danny Hammett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Bye. Bye. you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.